The Bible reading for today combines two passages from the book of Acts. Chapter 3, verses 11 to 16, and chapter 4, verses 1 to 22, continue the account of Peter and John's healing of the crippled beggar at the temple gate. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. 
everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we turn to Acts chapters 3 and 4, uh, let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Granted to your servant to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and move in power through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. Uh, We're picking up this week from the the end of the account of the healing of the lame man at the temple gate, as Fred said, uh, that we looked at last Sunday. Uh, Peter and John, you'll remember, met this man and responded to his request for money by offering him healing in the name of Jesus. Seeing the lame man healed, a crowd gathers in the temple and Peter addresses them, declaring salvation in the name of Jesus. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees come and arrest Peter and John and put them in jail. Luke breaks off at that point to tell us many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, when Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the the Jewish ruling council, they're asked, by what power or what name did you do this? And Peter replies by saying again, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else. Astonished by these ordinary followers of Jesus, the Sanhedrin order them not to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. But Peter and John reply, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And with all of the common people praising God for the healing of this lame man, the Sanhedrin are forced, of course, to let Peter and John go. I confess that I'm sometimes rather sad when I hear people talk about the Apostle Peter. 
all too often it seems we're tempted to focus on his obvious weaknesses and his spectacular failures. Popular opinion often describes him as impetuous, loud-mouthed, hot-tempered, rash, hasty, irritable, even angry. Even if some of that's true, and I'm certainly not denying that it was Peter who, for example, cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, but even if some of the things people say about Peter's character are true, all of the emphasis can easily be put on his life before he was filled with the transforming presence and power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And we can fail to give attention to the extraordinary person he became after he was filled with the Spirit. As Peter speaks to the crowd gathered in the temple courts, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man was made strong. That's Acts 3.16. are often very interesting verses. Of course, he's describing the lame man who's just been healed, that he's been made strong. But he could equally well be talking about himself. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man was made strong. And I would argue that that is what Luke shows us about Peter in these first chapters of Acts. Luke first introduced us to Peter, of course, in his gospel quite early on. And his introduction there is, frankly, a little bit odd. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, we're told. Um, Peter, uh, Peter's given name was not Peter, it was Simon. Uh, Peter, in fact, is not a name at all. It never was a name before this point. It's the word Petros, meaning rock, so not a name at all. It only became a popular Christian name because Jesus gave it to Simon as a nickname, and that nickname stuck. So any of you Peters who are here, that's the origin of your name. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. You see how odd that introduction is. And Peter is going to be one of the, the central figures of the New Testament, certainly one of the leading apostles, leading uh, church leaders in the New Testament but we're not told anything about him. Instead, Luke launches straight into the healing of his mother-in-law. Peter is not even the subject of his own introduction because Luke assumes we already know who he is. Now, the mention of his mother-in-law is interesting because that tells us that he was married, which means that he was a little bit older than the other disciples. They would have been... Uh, in their late teens, marriageable age was 17 or 18 at most. So he's a young man. And the disciples in their, in their older teens are maybe a little bit younger than he. Perhaps he's about 20 years old at the point he first meets Jesus. And Jesus, of course, is a good 10 years older than that. 
Sometimes you see paintings, classical paintings of Peter, and he has white hair, and he's quite a, 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 a well, certainly an older man. Well, that gives completely the wrong impression. In fact, often in those paintings, you'll see Jesus depicted as a younger person than Peter. And that's completely the wrong impression. Jesus is a good 10 years older, which is why it makes sense that Jesus refers to the disciples as children and my children. Well, the next time that Luke mentions Peter is the occasion when Jesus borrows his boat to teach the crowd. Uh, Peter, we discover, is a fisherman, and he's in business with Jesus' cousins, James and John. Jesus gets into Peter's boat, and he has Peter push off a little way from the shore in order that the crowd can better hear him as he's teaching them the Word of God. And when he's finished teaching, Jesus then has Peter put the boat out into deeper water and tells him to let down his nets. Peter's an experienced fisherman, and he protests that he's been fishing all night and not caught anything. But because it's Jesus asking, and it's clear by this point that Peter has some significant relationship with Jesus, because it is Jesus asking, he agrees. And of course, they catch such a large number of fish that the nets begin to break. At this Peter falls on his knees before Jesus and he instinctively responds, Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Which is already a significant expression of belief about Jesus and about his own unworthiness. Nevertheless, a little bit later, Jesus appoints him as one of the twelve apostles. And in the lists of the apostles in the New Testament, Peter is always listed first. In fact, he's always listed first, even when it's Jesus' three closest companions alone who are mentioned, Peter, James, and John. It is these three who are given extra insight by Jesus. Uh, we mentioned last week the healing of Jairus' daughter. Of the twelve, it is only Peter and James and John who accompany Jesus into the house and experience the raising of this girl back to life. Similarly, it's only Peter, James, and John who are invited to be present at the transfiguration when Jesus is revealed in all his glory on the mountain. But Peter is perhaps most famous in the Gospels for his declaration of faith. Following the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus asks his disciples, who do the crowd say I am? And they offer a few answers, mostly the suggestion that he's a prophet of some kind. Then Jesus asks, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are God's Messiah, the Savior promised by God through the prophets. For our purposes today, it is what happens at the end of Luke's gospel that is perhaps most instructive, though. During the Last Supper, on the evening Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Jesus speaks directly to Peter using his given name. And I think we have the text that I'm going to read for you. He says, Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Notice Jesus' words. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. How can Peter do this unless he himself has been strengthened first? After Jesus is arrested, he's taken by the temple guard to the house of the high priest, and Luke continues. He tells us, Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I'm not. Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It's a terrible moment, but I think that it's one that we can all identify with. Like Peter, our best moments, uh, we say, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. But then when our faith is tested, we all too easily turn away from Jesus. We don't have the strength that we say we have. We don't have the strength that we wish we had. But the good news is Luke isn't finished telling us about Peter. Here in Acts chapters 3 and 4, we have a different man. Look at him now. You handed Jesus over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. That's how Peter speaks now. Where did this boldness come from? He's standing, remember, in the temple before the same crowd that condemned Jesus. And he's not afraid of anyone. And then the temple guard arrive and they arrest him just as they arrested Jesus only a few weeks earlier. And as they did with Jesus, they keep him in custody overnight. And then, like Jesus, they bring him before the high priest. He's not out in the courtyard talking to a powerless servant girl now. Now he's standing right where Jesus stood the day that he was condemned to death. And he says... Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame 
and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then, to this gathering of Bible teachers, he quotes the scriptures to them. And this is the most devastating moment in this account. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which had, oh no, wait a minute. That's not what he says, is it? He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He's injected them into the verse. He's saying, in other words, God wrote these words to condemn you. That was the purpose of their inclusion in the Scriptures. Where did this boldness come from? Where did Simon go? And when did Peter, the rock, show up? And Luke says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Being one of those who had been with Jesus, that was the very accusation that Peter had denied before. Even the Sanhedrin recognized that it is because of Jesus that Peter has this extraordinary courage and wisdom. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. The night that Jesus was arrested, one man denied him three times. But the next time Peter was in that place, he did not deny Jesus. He spoke boldly for him. And Luke tells us that night, many who heard the message believed. That night, hundreds took their stand for Jesus. The first time Peter was in that place, he denied Jesus three times. The next time, hundreds believed in Jesus because of his testimony. See, Jesus was right when he called Simon the rock. And if he was right about Simon, Friends, he's right about us. He's right about you. It doesn't matter if we feel weak. It doesn't matter if we've denied him. It doesn't matter if we don't think well of ourselves. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. It doesn't matter because it is the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us that makes us into the people God intended us to be. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's where Peter's courage and wisdom come from. That's where his fear went and his boldness came from. That's how this man was made strong. Faith in the name of Jesus 
He surrendered completely to the Holy Spirit. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. There's a thread that runs right through the Bible. It's expressed again and again in slightly different ways, but three times in Exodus, in Psalms, and in Isaiah, exactly the same words are used. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That's what we see happening in Peter's life. That's what God did for him as an example. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. Do you lack strength? Do you struggle to declare your faith boldly, to stand for Jesus or to speak up for Jesus with courage? You don't have to summon up more willpower. That just leads to false declarations. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. You just have to surrender. You have to take an honest look at yourself like Peter was forced to do the night that he denied Jesus. And you have to say, this is not all that God meant me to be. And you have to surrender your whole self to Jesus. And by the power of his spirit working in you, he will be your strength and your salvation. Some of us have natural boldness like Peter, but that boldness needs to be molded by the Spirit. Others of us, I suspect, would say that we lack boldness and we long for the Spirit to increase it in us when it comes to speaking up about our faith in Jesus. That was certainly true for me at Peter's age. In high school, I was the, the chairman of the school debating society. It was a prestigious society. We won national events. But unbeknownst to others, I was the chairman because that way I could chair the debates and I never had to give a speech. In my last year in high school, I went to a, a Nicky Cruz evangelistic rally. Do, do you know the name Nicky Cruz? Many of you may have read that uh, biography. He was um, a gang member in New York and converted under the ministry of uh, David Wilkerson, the cross and the switchblade and such like. And he was um, doing an evangelistic uh, rally in the UK at the time. And when he finished giving his address and inviting people to come to faith in Jesus, he invited those who wanted to make a profession of faith to come to the front of the concert hall where we were meeting. At that point, I'd been a Christian for perhaps about six years. And as I stood there, I sensed a prompting from the Holy Spirit to encourage the, the girl who was standing next to me um, to, to go forward. And so I plucked up my courage and I did just that suggested that she perhaps wanted to go forwards. And she and the girl next to her both went forwards and gave their lives to Christ. But in a sense, I think I also had surrendered myself to God that night in almost as profound a way by being open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, an experience that I've had many, many, many times over the years since. 
It never ends there with the Holy Spirit. Uh, When we give him an inch, he pushes and pushes and stretches and helps us grow. After school, I started working in youth ministry in a church in Southend, and one day I was on a train uh, on my way back to Southend from London, and I was listening to um, a cassette um, on my Walkman, that dates me, uh, listening to George Verwa, the the founder and head of uh, Operation Mobilization, and he was challenging us uh, to listen for the Holy Spirit, prompting us particularly to speak to people. So he said that once, and I thought, yes, that's a good point. And then he said it again, and I thought, yeah, and I made a note of it in my notebook. And then he said it a third time, and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this might actually be the Lord speaking, and I perhaps ought to pay more attention. Well, I was in a railway carriage, and there was only one other person in the carriage. Uh, And it was an elderly lady, and she was sitting at the other end of the carriage, and I was a little bit concerned that as a 19-year-old, if I got up and walked down the carriage, it might be kind of threatening for her, but I just sensed this strong prompting from the Spirit to do that. So I got up, and as, as gently and as graciously and carefully as I could, I went down and I sat near her, and uh, we started to have a conversation, and I discovered that uh, she knew the church that I was uh, working in. She'd been there before, and she actually attended another church that was nearby that I, that I knew as well. Uh, and that was just a really encouraging uh, conversation for me. It went really, really well. Uh, and after that, the Lord just had me constantly speaking to people on public transport of one kind or another. I could tell you about many, many conversations, some of which were really uh, amazing, the ways that God spoke. Um, And then, a little time after that, I found myself as a 19-year-old speaking to 500 pastors and church leaders at a Billy Graham event. And when I think back on it now, I can't imagine how I got in such a short space of time from actively avoiding any kind of public speaking in that debating society to that stage where I was talking to all of those church leaders. I have no idea how that transformation happened except that the Spirit was at work in my life. That's the Holy Spirit who gives us boldness. You may think of me as someone who's comfortable speaking in front of a crowd of people, but only, only because of the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes whatever seeds of faith we offer him, however small, and he multiplies them beyond all our expectations. But we have to have the courage to open ourselves up to the Spirit changing us and prompting us. Think of the transformation that took place in Peter, not from timidity, but from denial to the boldness to declare salvation in the name of Jesus, to the very men who'd condemned Jesus to death. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. That's my testimony too. This man was made strong. So my appeal to you today is will you surrender your whole self to the Spirit of God 
that he might take the, the seeds of strength in your life and multiply them beyond all your expectations and enable you to become the person he made you to be. Will you pray with me? Surrendering yourself to the Holy Spirit's use means being willing to take actual steps, small or large, even this week, to cooperate with the Lord as he moves in other people's lives. So let me give you a moment in silence to respond to the Spirit's invitation. Let me end with the prayer that we began this message with, which comes from this fourth chapter of the book of Acts. It's the prayer of the believers in response to Peter and John being released. Lord, I ask for myself and for all of us gathered here today. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and move in power through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.